Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Stevenson for three. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kutch with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Dropped it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Outrunning his Brissett. Outs it all. It's it to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace and saying his farewell to Washington, D.C. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the one and only Michael J. Focci. What's up, brother? Hey, nothing much. The move is upon us. I barely got anything left in my place. Other than my microphone, my laptop, <laughs> I'm ready to rock because, whew, Alex, it's an exciting time to be a Pacer fan, and these next few weeks are going to be great. Yeah, right now for Fachi, guys, he is playing that Beastie Boys song, No Sleep Till Brooklyn. He is on the move. He's been going nonstop, but the podcast cannot stop. As Fachi is pretty much packed up, he had to find a room that did not have uh, that didn't have everything taken out of it. So there wouldn't be a terrible echo, but that is where we're at. But Fachi, we got some interesting stuff to talk about today. Obviously want to kick things off, tell people what we're going to talk about today. And that is we're doing a Pacers off season wish list. So I didn't give Fachi a limit of how many he could have on his list. So it could be endless. It could be, you know, short. So we'll see what happens, but anything else exciting that you want to talk about today, Fachi? Yeah, I mean, look, let's just start a little bit by, uh, Alex, we got some big names coming in for a workout. Oh, talk to me. By the time that you guys are going to be listening to this, on June 10th, the Pacers will be hosting six prospects, actually seven, two of which are going to be Dyson Daniels and Jeremy Sohan in in a workout of six different players. Uh, So I, I love the fact there that, A, we've heard the Dyson Daniels rumors to Indiana, Jeremy Sohan, a guy that we both like, and I feel like is starting to climb up some draft boards. But then, Alex, there's a man coming in for a private workout. You want to tell us a little bit about uh, who's coming in? Oh, and who we selected six overall in the 2022 Setting the Pace mock draft. Ladies and gentlemen from Arizona University, Benedict Matherin, ladies and gentlemen. This is a guy that a lot of fans are excited about his potential. And I really haven't seen anybody say, I do not want him whatsoever. So, I think the fact that he's coming in for a workout is really cool, but not just that he's separating himself from this group of six and he is doing an individual workout with the Indiana Pacers. I think this could be a sign of, Hey, they're very intrigued by this player. 
It gotta be. Look, I, I don't think this is a smokescreen by any means. There's been like a little romance broom in between the Pacers and Bendik Matherin from what feels like at least the draft lottery. Like mm. we knew they had conversations. We saw, you know, the smile on Bendik Matherin's face for him talking about the Pacers. I feel like it's real. And this is a great sign to see because no offense to Dyson Daniels, or Jeremy Sohan, or any of the other guys that are in that, that group workout. But I do feel like Benedict Matherin has an edge on those guys to the point where, hey, I want the Pacers to know exactly what they're getting out of Matherin. And an interesting fact, Benedict Matherin just worked out for the Blazers, who have the seventh pick. And they did not allow him to speak to media afterwards. Mm. I don't know. Interesting. Maybe it means nothing. Or maybe it means, hey, they're like, we don't want to, you know, reveal too much about our excitement about him. But Man, hey, Matherin, there's a chance he might not get by pick seven if the Pacers don't take him at six. Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. And I think tomorrow would be a great opportunity for the Pacers brass to take him around downtown Indianapolis, let him get familiar with some of those restaurants, see what the city's like. It should be a nice day tomorrow, I'm hoping. Haven't checked the forecast, to be honest with you, but there was no rain today. So hopefully we get a similar situation tomorrow. Let him see the facility. I know we already know that Tyrese and some of those other young guys have been here in Indianapolis working out. Maybe he gets to talk with them a little bit. And of course, after the workout, maybe sit down with Coach Carlisle, Kevin Pritchard in the front office and look at some tape and talk about some things, which Kevin Pritchard said they were going to do with these prospects. So that is what I'm really intrigued by. But we also got to throw out there Jeremy Sohan coming in. I don't think the Pacers would take him at six. So to me, this screams, hmm, Maybe they're interested in getting back in to the end of the lottery. I hope so. Because, look, when you're bringing in like Dyson Dancy, we saw some rumors him at six, the Pacers, like, yeah, there's a chance. I feel a little better if maybe he's at eight. Look, at Sohan, I feel like I can't really see him climbing into, like, a top nine. Like, maybe he could be creeping into a 10, 10 to 12 range. If the Pacers can acquire another lottery pick, I think it would be a home run pick to pick Jeremy Sohan at like whatever, whatever it is, 10, yeah. 11, 12, something in that range. Because, man, the, the more that I'm reading on him, there's a chance that he could end up being the best on-ball defender in this draft. We've talked about like kind of a little bit of a, whatever you want to call it, peskiness, chip, edginess, a little bit to him that that's everything that we've been talking about that this Pacers team is lacking. But picking him at six feels like a reach. Picking him a little bit later feels perfect. Yeah, I love the idea of getting Jeremy Sohan on this Pacers team, especially with Rick Carlisle, a guy that we heard even from Lance Stevenson, preaches defense. They've got to improve defensively. They need to pretty much fill that position of a power forward. If Keegan Murray's not there at six, they've got to find a way to maybe address that. And maybe Jeremy Sohan's a guy they can do that with. But I want to look at something Jonathan Gavoni tweeted out today. He said there's 11 confirmed NBA draft uh, green room invites. He said thus far – Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Boncaro, Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray, Shaden Sharp, Dyson Daniels, Ben Matherin, A.J. Griffin, Jalen Dern, and Johnny Davis are the 11 that are confirmed for the Green Room invite. They send out 15 of these, so there's approximately four more invites to go out next week. This is a really good sign for these 11 players because this is who the NBA executives believe will be drafted in the lottery. Yeah, I mean, look, you and I spoke, uh, you know, briefly about it when I felt, you know, almost a little offended that Benedict Matherin wasn't initially named mm-hmm. over there. I was like, 
wait, what? Like, do they really have AJ Griffin above them? And some mock boards could, but I was like, the second they, they updated that, I was like, okay, that makes perfect sense. We always see Jalen Durant, someone who, when we did our setting the pace mock draft of it, that was someone who fell. And you and I were both surprised that like, yeah. wow, really? Like outside of the top 14. So seeing him in the green room over there, I wouldn't say it's surprising or interesting, but it was one, definitely one of those where it's like, hmm, that could be someone who, you know, could be on the rise a bit. Yeah, we'll have to see who the other four are. I think a lot of people believe that Sohan will be a lottery pick. So I think there's a chance he could be in there. Usman Jain could be another guy that gets put in that group. I don't know about Mark Williams from um, Duke, but there could be another Duke player there as well. So just keep an eye out for that. I think it's really telling to see who could be in there. But a name that hasn't been mentioned in this group that I'm very big on, Terry Easton out of LSU. Um, if he falls past the lottery, that'd be really interesting, Fletch. It would be an absolute steal. We talked about it. No one really benefited more from really, or, or very few benefited more from coming back to college, maybe like a Keegan Murray. But Terry Easton was a stud last year. Really like what he brings to the table. And hey, if he's going to slip a little bit, it only makes the Pacers' uh, chances of getting them that much easier, you know, if he is to fall outside of the lottery. But, you know, one thing that I, that's really interesting uh, NBA Big Board Podcast, Rafael Barlow might be coming on our show next week. And when he highlighted Jeremy Sohan, he was saying he could be like a, a Draymond Green-like player in terms yeah. of being that defensive impact over there. I know that's a lot to really label someone. Everyone's looking for that next type of player. But he also had some really high praise for Tari Eason. So it, it got me really excited. If you guys haven't you know, heard that, check out that episode. I'm sure Rafael will be able to break down both players fantastically next week for us when we have them on. But man, those are two guys that if we can pair with, say, a Benedict Matherin at six, either of Sohan, Teresi, Teresin, I would love it. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunities here, Fachi. But with that being said, we're two weeks away from the NBA draft. Things are heating up. Next week, it's going to be a lot of draft coverage for you. But to kick things, to kind of wrap things up, I should say, before we get into the draft content, we're going to do an off-season wish list. So, Fachi, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. All right, Fachi, let's start things off here with our off-season wish list. Number one, what you got? It's only fitting based on what we were talking about, but with the assets that the Pacers have, currently being top three in salary cap space this offseason, sixth overall pick, 31, the 58th overall pick, which would technically be the 16 any other year, but it's 58 this year. The Cavs first. We own all of our future first. I want to be able to see, are we going to back up Kevin Pritchard's statement and be aggressive and acquire another lottery pick? Alex, I'm going to say it right now. If the Pacers can get two players in, say, the top 10, and you pair them with, you know, a Tyrese Halliburton, uh, Isaiah Jackson, Chris Duarte, all those guys, we have something going on right now in Indiana. We would have something that could be special. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Fachi. I think we all would like to see that. For me, my number one, I'm going to work my way down probably from, you know, uh, least important to most important, and this might ruffle some fans the wrong way, but I would say the least important but just a personal thing, re-sign Lance Stevens. I, okay. Okay. I, I want to see Lance on this roster. I think it's good for the fan base. I think it's good for the players that have already connected with him. I think he's just positive energy. Like you remember on that podcast, like, we couldn't stop smiling the whole time because Lance was smiling the whole time. So, you know, I felt like a little girl doing that interview because I was so giddy the whole time. But what can I say? That's just the kind of energy that Lance Stevenson brings whenever he's in the room. And I think that is infectious in a positive way 
for a young team going through a rebuild. He clearly knows his role. I think he's, you know, multidimensional in terms of positions he can play, right? You can have him play the one, two, or three. So as a 15th man in that similar Udonis Haslam role, give the man his contract. Do not make the fans part ways with him once again, Kevin Pritchard. I'm telling you, if this team is going to be going through a rebuild, Lance Stevenson is a perfect veteran player on a minimum deal to keep as your 15th man on the roster. Hey, I love it. I agree. To, to go with your point, I'm going to move up one of mine, and it's veteran leadership. Look, this is a young team that got even younger. And to put that in perspective, TJ McConnell is the only pacer under contract next season that is 30 years or older at this moment right now. So you're talking about, you know, between you know McConnell, Turner, Brogdon, those are the only players under contract that have actually logged real playoff minutes. Yeah. I'm talking about TJ Warren's a free agent. Lance is a free agent. You know, guys like that. Ricky Rubio, I do not count. I mean, so what about Buddy like, Heald? Well, Buddy never played in the playoffs. Right, right. Okay. Yep. So, I mean, it's just like this is a team that actually doesn't really have playoff experience outside of a couple of guys. We don't even know if Brogdon's coming back. And mm-hmm. McConnell, we can't guarantee he's coming back. And look, Miles is in rumors every, every week. So it's just like, we need someone who's actually been there. Now, look, Lance Stevenson, is he the veteran of all veterans? No. But is he helpful to this team? Yes. Bottom line, he can show these guys how, how to handle themselves. We know he's infectious. Like, it's just you saw the team. There was a jolt of energy, of funness. Like, it felt like we, we heard from other players. He was the funniest guy on the team. Like, he brings something to the table here that has been great for the locker room. And I think that's very important. But outside of even just Lance, we have to find a veteran that can show these players how to be a professional. Because this team's really young. They yeah. really are. And it's hard to learn on the fly but we need to bring someone in who's been there. Nice. That was not on my wish list. Um, I'll move over to my second one on my wish list here, Fachi. Find a new home for your boy, Goga Batadze. Um, no offense to Goga, but it's time, brother. It's time to move on. Thank you for your services here at the Pacers. Did not work out. I mean, from the beginning, it started off roughly with the whole visa issue. Then getting into it with Coach Foster. I mean, this guy has just had an uphill battle. With the, with the Indiana Pacers, and I just feel like Goga, while there is some talent in that in that person, in that player, I just don't feel like it's the right fit with the Indiana Pacers. So, Goga, thank you for your services, but we're going to hopefully find you a new home this offseason. Yeah, I don't blame you one bit. Look, I'm happy Goga showed what he got to show towards the end of last season. And, look, he is most definitely better than TJ Leaf, but I remember <laughs> – the feeling of wanting TJ Leaf off this team more than just about anything. And I hear you at this point to get some closure. Look, if you can flip Goga for literally anything, it, uh, whatever you get, he's, if he's a thrown in the deal, look, he's got more talent, but I just don't know if we're ever going to be able to give him that, that opportunity that he needs to fully showcase it. Because look, when Goga was showcasing it at the end of the year, the Pacers lost 10 straight games. They, they yeah. weren't playing for anything. So I'm completely with you over there. Uh, moving over next for mine, I would say, can we continue to surround Tyrese with knockdown three-point shooters? Tyrese averaged 9.6 assists with the Pacers last year. And no offense, but he was not passing any top, you know, 50, 75, even really 100 players in the league. Like, the guys that he was really feeding are, you know, Buddy, 
Isaiah, you know, there's, there's a guy, Isaiah, you're hoping is taking that step forward, all that. Like, no, that's no, no knock on him, but I mean, there was no Brogdon out there. There was no Turner out there really. So can we continue to give him talent around? And when I say, you know, the, the three point shooting, when I put that in, in perspective, you know, we know Carlisle wants to shoot the three a lot more. Well, last year, the Pacers were just downright mediocre. 16th in threes made at 12.2. 15th in threes attempted at 35.4 per game. It, it 25th in three-point percentage at 34.4. That's mm-hmm. downright mediocre across the board. We yeah. got a guy that when you think about it, O'Shea said word for word, Tyrese loves to get others involved. He wants to get a lot of assists. He makes the game easier. So we got to put the right amount of talent around him or just simply put better talent around him. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what the three-point numbers look like once the trade happened. You know, do it from a certain game to see how many. It had to have been better. Yeah, I I can only imagine it was. I mean, got to remember Jalen Smith was out there knocking down threes as well for the Indiana Pacers. I mean, he had some good players, Dwayne Washington Jr. Exactly. You know, Duarte played a little bit, obviously got hurt. Even Lance was knocking down some threes on occasion. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you just look at that roster as a whole. It's like, doesn't matter who you are. If you're open, Tyrese is going to find you. And he's oh, not afraid to trust you. <laughs> not afraid to trust his teammates. But uh, for me, number three, do not sign Miles Turner to a long-term deal. Look, there's been a lot of rumors, like you said, Fachi. What are they going to do with Miles Turner? It's very fascinating to me. I will just say this. I'm not opposed to running it back with Miles as the solo center giving him that opportunity to see what he can do. He, he was a, you know, he was a soldier, so to say, in terms of embracing Sabonis coming into the starting lineup, embracing taking that back seat to Sabonis as Sabonis just continued to grow and, and, and climb that ladder. But now, after Miles came out publicly last year, it was very interesting to go back and look at what Kevin Pritchard said in that article. He was very noncommittal to Miles Turner. I will say this. I talked about it on the mailbag podcast that we did, and you thought it was a good point then. I'm going to keep bringing this up until we have an answer. Signing him to a deal and giving him that cushion and that stability, is it's good for Miles, but I don't think it puts him in a spot to really prove himself. Make him earn that contract by showing, hey, this is what I can do as a solo center. If you want to do a short-term extension, that's okay because you're not getting yourself locked up for multiple years. But if you offer him a four to five year extension up upwards towards, you know, 85 to $95 million, you have to wonder when is Isaiah Jackson going to be ready? And is it going to cut into his time? If you really believe in him as the future center. So for me with miles Turner, he needs a year to prove it. He needs to prove it before he is given a contract that I don't really think he deserves right now at this point, because he's been an average 13 and seven, with three blocks. Very, very, very decent. It's not great. It's not bad, but it's not anything spectacular. So I want to see what he can do with Halliburton with this role and with a chip on his shoulder to even prove more who he is. And he's also got to prove that he can stay healthy. So I'm very adamant on not signing him to a long-term deal. Some fans probably want to lock him up for life. That's just not me. I want to see more from him. Sabonis was moved. Fachi, I know I'm rambling here. I apologize, but Sabonis was moved. They got back Halliburton. They couldn't really move Turner because he got hurt and because there weren't as many suitors for him like there were for Sabonis. So now it's his time. He's got to, you know, prove it that he's not just all talk, but he can actually walk the walk. 
I think that we see players respond in contract years, and you would think he's got everything in the world to gain. Hey, if you could just put together your best offseason, come out there. Like It looks like the Pacers are going to you know, let him be the center. All signs point to it. We even saw some reports recently. You know, Nate Duncan reported the Pacers would be, still be eligible to sign him to a deal, a four-year extension. That's four years, $97 million. I mean, that's a raise basically taking him from around 18 to close to $23 million. I mean, it's hard. I know everybody's kind of getting raises over here, but I agree with your point of just we've all we've always had this. Hey, there's so much potential. here. There's so much potential. here. But when do you put it all together? And I think that you can't reward someone yet. You pay them for what they're what you know they're going to do, not what they've done. And over here, I think right now we got to wait and see what he's going to do moving forward because, man, this is a guy that the last two years, Alex, he's shooting 33% for yeah. three for a guy that's labeled as a three-point shooter. Yeah. 33% that's... is not good by any means. No, it's not. I will say this too. Like I, I've seen a lot of people say, well, he's taken a backseat to Domas for so many years. It's like, they only played the last three seasons together and half of those miles was hurt. So let's be honest. They probably played a total of like two seasons, right? So I will just get this out here. Sabonis, when he was traded here, was Miles Turner's backup in that first year. The next year, he was still his backup and was a finalist for sixth man of the year. The next year, Sabonis gets inserted into the starting lineup once he's given that extension and makes it to the NBA All-Star game. Sabonis saw opportunities to take advantage of stuff and go out and get what he wanted and, and continue to grow as a player. Instead, Miles goes from a starter you know, two years in a row with Sabonis on the team to being Sabonis' sidekick, or I guess you could say that fifth man in that starting five. And I understand why Miles might have been rubbed the wrong way, but I look at it from a perspective of where Domas really worked to get the accolades that he's gotten. He didn't talk about it. He just was, you know, hardworking and, and accomplished what he wanted to accomplish, whereas Miles, you know, continues to tell people why he can't accomplish what he wants to accomplish because people keep holding him back. It's always something with him. So that's why I'm saying no Sabonis now. He's out of the way. What is, what's the next excuse going to be if he doesn't prove it? Is it because, oh, Isaiah Jackson's coming for him? I mean, come on. He, he's got to prove it. I, I'm just ready for him to prove it. I'm tired of hearing about it. I want to see it. I would love for him to prove it because that would that would shut up so many people. It could even shut us up. But at the same shut, point, shut, please shut me up. I will. I would love to up. be shut up. I would love to just be quiet as can be right now because I want to win so bad. But I can't reward someone with a ninety-seven million dollar extension before the season and kill the night in, night out of like I'm going to put my best foot forward to you know play the hardest, put the best you know, situation out there and be able to earn a contract that, that I deserve or whatever it is right now, just due to the health, the health is the major reason, but also this is yeah. seven years in, this isn't like, <laughs> you know, miles bridges having one really good year. And you're like, man, I don't know if I've seen enough over there. It's like, no, no, this is seven years of sample size and I'm sorry, but that's enough of a sample size for me to say, I just can't pay yet. Yeah, well, it's like is the idea the the idea of Miles Turner is better than who Miles Turner it's, it's has actually fantastic. been. The yeah. overall idea, an elite rim protector that can stretch the floor, hit threes. Everybody wants that. Yeah. No, I mean, come on now. I mean, we're not saying that the guys, you know, you know, scraps, right? We're not saying he's a bad player. Not we at just all. we just want to see 
him take a step. I haven't really felt like he's taken a step forward in terms of improvement overall. Yeah, he's made slight improvements, but he's not really taken that giant leap. And this is his chance to do it. So anyway, a lot of time on that topic. I'm sorry. Let's move on to your number four, Fachi, what you got? All right. Uh, I'm going to say just overall, can we add some defense and toughness to this team? <laughs> yeah. The Pacers gave up the most points per game in the East last year at 114.9 and the fifth worst overall. I mean, just it felt like we were just that cute team that got stepped on and just overlooked all year. And like, I rarely really remember pulling upsets. What I remember is getting off to hot starts, like the first quarter, first half. And then it was just, that was it. Or or hearing stats like, you know, the Pacers at one point hadn't won. They were like 0-22 when they trailed going into the fourth quarter at one point. Or maybe it was even worse. But it, it was basically just like the team lacked that toughness to really like rally together or get the stops when they needed them. The timely stops, I mean, at one point, Alex, I mean, maybe it was like one and 11 at one point in games decided by three, whatever it was. It was so, it like hurt, but they couldn't get the timely stops. They didn't have that toughness to really pick each other up. And we just, you got to add some defense over there. It, it, it's, it's not, when you score 120 points, it looks good on paper until you look at the right hand side or the left and you see you gave up 130. So, yeah. We can't do it anymore. No, we got to get better defensively, and nothing will be as bad as the night I watched the Pacers get dismantled by the Hornets when oh, Herb Simon was in attendance, and I made that meme with Herb Simon sitting in <laughs> the, the room where it's catching on fire with his Chick-fil-A bag. Yeah, uh, was nice. it, was, it was pretty fun. I had a lot of fun with that during the season because, look, we just sucked. So I had to have fun with it while I'm watching the game. Like, I, who would sit there and watch your team give 150-some yeah. points? Like, it was just bad last year. And that's what's so funny when Lance came on talking about Carlisle's defensive, like, philosophies and, like, he always preaches defense. It's like, man, you wouldn't have thought that based on what the product was out there. So – that's where I think that's where I think this team's going to have to improve is defensively. So I'll move on to my number four real quick. I know I'm going pretty slow here, but I said make the right trade for Malcolm Brogdon. Look, I, I think we're all excited to oh let's move him for a first round pick. Let's do this. Let's do that. Look, those offers might not be out there. Okay, we got to look at all spectrums of everything here. I, I feel like when it comes to Malcolm Brogdon, he's a good player and he's going to be able to be traded. I don't have any doubt that he will get moved. But don't just trade him to trade him. I don't think Kevin Pritchard will do that. He's talked about that plenty of times, even on this podcast, that he will not just make a trade to make a trade. But with that being said, they've got to find a got to find a deal for him, and that's got to be the right deal. So that's where I'm at with it. Just make the right trade. Doesn't have to be over the top. Doesn't have to be, you know, like multiple picks or whatever. You know, it's I mean, it doesn't have to be as good as Karis Overt maybe. But like, if it makes sense for us, let's just do it. Yeah, and look, when Pritchard says he's not going to just make a trade just to make a trade, look, people can knock Pritchard for a few different things, but this man has pulled some rabbits out of hats before. He really has waited at times to get the right deal. I remember we were a couple years ago, we we're going to go into the, the season with Oladipo on the roster. I don't know. How's that going to work? Well, you know what? I think it was like seven games or so into the year. It was within like the first 10 games or so, or maybe Oladipo only played seven the Pacers moved him, and they got Levert, and it seemed like an awesome deal. And then after a while, we knew Levert was going to get traded. We knew it, but Pritchard stuck to his gut. He wanted two first-round picks, 
in reality, at one point, he pretty much <laughs> almost got it. It, it yeah. was it was the thirty first overall pick for the Rockets, and then the uh, Cavs first round pick. It, it's rough luck for us, but he's waited and he's made the right moves. So look, with Brogdon, yes, a lot of us are like, what's going to happen there? You know, or should we really trade him? Just trade? Look, don't just dump him. But at the same point, we know we got to move on at some point. Whether it takes, if it's not at the draft, I'm not going to be overly disappointed i would like another pick but if it if he waits and it's maybe you know earlier in the year we get great value i'll take that at any point get the best value possible yeah no yeah that's what we got to do sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no no worries at all i just i knew i was rambling but you know going over to my (laughs) going over to my last one okay is what are we doing at power forward because look we talked about it the other day and it really made me thinking Man, what are we doing? I looked up and down the roster. Ever since we broke up the double bigs and TJ Warren's been out, that the four spot felt like a revolving door because here's what I'm going to say. Jalen Smith's probably not coming back, all right? We don't know the status of TJ Warren. Maybe he does, but at the same point, are we ready to hand the keys over to Isaiah Jackson just yet and have him be the starting four? I, I don't know if the Pacers are ready for that. So it feels like... There's just not enough depth over there. There's not a clear-cut answer. Are we going to address it in the draft? Are we going to address it in free agency? But there is a hole over there at the four. Yeah, actually, on my list, I had find a starting four in the draft for agency or trade. Yep. So we definitely need to do that, Fachi. There's no doubt about it. That's why Jeremy Sohan's a really interesting name. But once again, they already have a player similar to that on their roster in Terry Taylor. Not the defender that Sohan is, but the offensive liability. And I think that's something you also have to look at. Like, do we want to get a guy that has such a disability on offense? Like, no offense, but like, let's just talk about this NBA final series for a second. Draymond Green, while he can muck it up defensively, whether he's fouling, whether he's just being a bully, whatever you want to call it, offensively, Boston's saying, okay, do what you got to do. We don't care about you. I don't want to see that same thing out there with Sohan, with Terry Taylor all the time, because look, Terry Taylor, uh, he can get offensive rebounds, but the man will not shoot the ball if he's outside the arc. He freaks out. He just kind of looks around like, nope, don't let me shoot it. So that's where I'm a little bit worried about that. That's why I kind of like Terry Easton a little bit over Sohan, just because of that ability to be an offensive threat to some degree. But I get what you're saying. We just got to find someone that can make some sense. And like you said, it'd be great to keep Jalen Smith. Uh, I just, you know, it's going to be tough to keep. It is. So um, you only had five. I had 11. Yes. So I'll quickly. Oh, wow. Read All right. Hey, yes. I, it's a wish list. Come on. You don't get everything on it. So you never do. And that's why I went, <laughs> hey, man, if I can only get five gifts this year, maybe this is it. But yeah, I'm open I, to all the gifts. So let's hear what you got. I will go rapid fire here. OK, so I'll spend a little time on this one, though, because I think it's important. Number five, do not trade the 2023 first round pick. I don't care what the Pacers do in terms of other picks they move. I am not giving away next year's first round draft pick because I don't believe this team is going to be out of the lottery. So give, keep that pick protected because I think it's too important to the future of building this team. I, I think that if you want to try to trade up, maybe you do a pick swap or potentially you trade 2024 first round pick, but do not give this pick up. You have that Cavs first rounder. I know that that could be enticing to maybe move your first rounder because you know, you still have another one, but no, your pick is going to be very valuable next year. And I think you can make bigger moves of it than just moving up to get a Jaden Ivey. So 
that's kind of how I feel about that. Don't know if you want to respond to that, but I do. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I'm clutching next year's pick like a baby clutches a bottle. I can't (laughs) let go of this pick. I won't, even in the Donovan Mitchell trade scenario we're talking about, I was like, we got to protect that 2023 first round pick. Like, I really am not sold that the Pacers are going to turn this ship around in a year. We, yeah. you know, it, things could still be ugly this year, but be going in the right direction. But at the same point, I don't want to trade a 2023 first round pick for what? I don't know. Say it's like, what if it's like the 10th overall pick? And then next year, things just are not going our way. But for once, the lottery balls do. And all of a sudden, we're handing over something that, that we've been waiting, you know, our whole lives for. So yeah. I'm not saying the Pacers are going to be like the worst team in the league, but at the same point, I can't, I can't promise you that we're, that we're not going to be in the running for a top five or top 10 pick next year. Right. And, and this kind of goes in, in hand with my, my next point here on my offseason wish list. I said, if, if the Pacers like Jaden Ivey, go all out to get him. I understand that I just said don't trade that 2023 first round pick for him. But if I'm Kevin Bridger, if I'm Chad Buchanan, and I believe that Jaden Ivey is – the next coming of a superstar in the NBA, then you have to really weigh that option. I don't want to, I don't want to go up and get him if I had to give up that pick, but I'm saying if they believe in him that much, go all out and get him. I'm not saying that I believe in him that much, but if they do, then, you know, I'll be fine with that. As long as if they do that, that shows me, like you said, on your number one, they're aggressive. So they are aggressive at that point. <laughs> and if you're talking about six and next year's pick, and maybe you're moving up like one or two spots or something yeah. like that. Oh my God, man. At that point, Jay Ivey, you got to be pushing the chips all in to say, this guy's going to take us somewhere. Yeah. That's, you know, so <laughs> that's like knowing you're going to get an ace in your hand when you're playing poker, right? It's like, yep. it's a, you just have to know you're going to get that if you go all in like that. But um, next one quick here I said, take a big swing at six. Don't play it safe. I do not want a safe pick. Oh, he fits our team. He's a great guy. Like, no, I'm tired of hearing that stuff. I want and an I, athlete. Yeah. <laughs> No, what I'll say to that real quick is I'm, I'm with you, but I want to know how big of a swing is too big because I'm, I'm going to turn my attention to right over there. If Shaden Sharp's there or it's Bendick Matherman, how big of a swing are you taking? Depends on how much you believe in him. Good thing well, I'm not the course. one making the decisions. Exactly. But, yeah, me too. I'm but I, but if I'm Kevin Pritchard, I've watched the tape and I've talked to these guys and I feel like, look, there's some mystique to this Shaden Sharp guy, but when I watched him work out, And I saw him talk with our players. There was something about him that I liked. But Ben Matherin, on the other hand, he's really interesting too. But then, oh, maybe Keegan Murray falls to us. Do I take Keegan Murray knowing that he'll be a good player and pass up the opportunity to draft a Sharp or a Matherin knowing they could be a great player? Or they could be a bust and I don't have to worry about that with drafting Murray. It's like that's that's where you have to look at this. in that scenario for sure. Boomer bust, baby. I'm all for it. Push the chips in, baby. Go all out for that pick six and hope you land a superstar because if you don't gamble now, when will you have the chance to gamble again? That's what I'm getting at here because if you don't gamble and, you know, you take a safe pick and it's a, all right, he was a nice player. He was a Dale Davis level of impact player. No, no, we can't have that. Look, Dale was good in his time, but I know I'm with you over here. Yeah. If the Pacers somehow ended up with Johnny Davis at six, I'm serious. (laughs) There could be some grown man tears coming down this face. Yeah. It's just – it's just not the swing I want to take at six. You know what's funny is I put a tweet out today and said, if there's one player you do not want the Pacers to take at six, who is it? And the majority of the responses were Johnny Davis and A.J. Griffin. 
<laughs> I, I, I'm in full agreement with, with those two players over yeah. there. Like, there's just something about over there that I'm just not 100% sold. Good players at six, I'm not sold. I'd rather push the chips all in and go with Shaden Sharp than one of those two, no doubt. Yeah, so I'll go quickly move on here. I said trade for a second lottery pick, which you already touched on, so don't need to rehash that one. I said number nine, improve defensively, which I'm pretty sure you already touched on that one as well. Number 10, I said Jalen Smith, comma, please stay home. Um, I was wondering what was going to follow the comma. Like, you know, because it's like Jalen Smith, please. You know, like, I don't know what we got to do, but. Yes, stay home, unlike Fachi, you know, leaving Washington, D.C. for Brooklyn. Jalen, moving. Just stay in Washington, D.C., baby. Stay stay in Indiana. You know what I mean? Like, do not leave for, for a greener pasture that might not be greener and then become this, you know, player that always gets traded. Then lastly, like I already said, find a starting four in the draft, free agency or trade. They've got to find that four. I think if they can address that, that will be the biggest position that they uh, can address in this offseason because if they don't address that, then okay. Okay, O'Shea. Okay, Terry Taylor. Okay, Isaiah Jackson. Try to fit in there next to Turner. You know, it's just like it's going to be yeah. this revolving door. That's what it is. Meh. I know. I, it's just it's a, a revolving door of just, hey, let's see. Next guy up. Hey, you take a crack at it. Let's see who's going to win this job. I, I don't know. And then if there's one injury over there, all of a sudden, you know, it's a major, major hole for this team. So that's where I wonder, hey, is T.J. Warren the easiest option over here of a guy that's been here that, you know, you can get on that reasonable contract while you have the money, might not have the market, you know, over there. But then it's still that could just potentially be a one year rental. I don't know. It would be nice to find that long term answer. Yeah, it would be actually a really cool idea is to get T.J. Warren on like a two year deal around seven, eight million dollars a year. And if he plays super awesome, boom, trade him. I know it sounds weird, but he's he at that ain't age. taking that deal. But uh, what what yeah. deal is he going to take then? I mean, you think well, he's I remember more... when we went back, you thought I was jipping. Hey, I'm out. just saying. I'm just saying. If if he's that injured, right, and they can work out a deal where it's like, hey, we'll give you a two to three year deal for whatever the amount of money is, right? Because you were talking like a one year deal for what? Like how much money? I, I think I think I was saying something like, "Would you do like a one year fifteen or something like that, or one year 13? And was it like, that high? Yeah, yeah, it was because it was just that's the perks of a one year deal while we have the money. So it's like, oh, all right, because I don't think anyone else is offering them anything like that. So the Pacers, he ain't cut. I don't think he's cutting us a discount if we're offering him seven. And someone else is offering them, you know, ten. Yeah, I mean, if you get him even for whatever, if that price range you put out there, if you do a two-year deal, I think we talked about a one-year option with the team That's option what for the second year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just don't know what he's going to want. Obviously, it'll be interesting because, like, we're not going to be contenders. So, like, is he going to want to get paid or is he going to want to go to a winning basketball situation? So It's interesting. I just don't yeah. think that this is the offseason for him to get paid. I just feel like no, no. one's going to, like, no one's going to back up the truck. But I also do think now that I'm looking at it, like, what about a team like Portland, who's who literally has the money? They want to yeah. win now. Is TJ Warren? Is that is Portland going to be our competition for Warren? I don't know. It's, it could be. Yeah, I have no idea. I think no there idea. could be some teams that use their full mid-level exception on them, which would be like a three- to four-year deal for like $10 million per year. I think the guaranteed money could be enticing to them instead of the one-year prove-it deal. But any team that offers that much money to them for mid-level exceptions has got to be out of their mind because – this man throughout his career has not proven he can stay healthy. There's no doubt about that. No, so. he hasn't. When he's on the court, it's nice, but at the same point, 
you know, no one knows what TJ Warren is going to do. <laughs> I mean, when you talk about how Sabonis would just work and that was it. I mean, we hear like maybe less from Warren, if not the same, where it's just like when TJ Warren puts out a simple tweet, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a meaning behind this because you never hear from TJ Warren. Yeah, absolutely, Fachi. I mean, that's just that's just TJ Warren, though. It's like he's so hard to read. I, I have no idea what's going to happen with him. And then another guy to keep an eye on is Ricky Rubio. How can the Pacers turn that into an asset? Do they try to do a sign and trade? I don't think that's going to happen, but it's just interesting to think about, like, the possibilities. But that wraps up my offseason wish list. Obviously, yours has been done for a few uh, minutes now. I'm curious if there's anything we left off that you guys are listening to Think we should add to our list? Let us know on Twitter at Set of the Pace 3. But Fachi, where else can the people find us out on social media? All right. So you can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they could check out our YouTube channel. Check us out at youtube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast. Got a lot of new content up there. Got some interviews up there with Jake Fisher. Obviously, our Donovan Mitchell piece on whether we would or would not trade for him. So thank you, everybody, so far that has subscribed. We have gained a lot of subscribers over the last week. So thank you very much for that. But with that being said, Fachi, your last time in Washington, D.C., you're turning in your Wizards fan card, which you've had for multiple years. I would have had a fan card to begin begin with, but nope. Yeah, Yeah, okay. I mean, we know, know, Fachi, deep in the – bottom of your heart that the John Wall trade still hurts. That's why you're pushing for him to come back to the Pacers yeah, okay. in a trade for that $47 million. That. And oh, uh, you wouldn't be mad about uh, getting KCP on this team either. So we know exactly how you feel, but once again, no sleep till Brooklyn. So we're on our way. Kevin Durant, just stay there for a little bit. So Fachi at least has someone interesting to watch when he's uh, back in Brooklyn. Hey, you know, before I left D.C., I had to check out the monuments tonight, went over there, you know, saw all the historical monuments that I take for granted living out here. But at the same point, you know, hey, from my new place, I can see the Statue of Liberty right from the rooftop. Great stuff. I'm excited. But at the same point, hey, make no mistake, no matter where I live, you will <laughs> hear me talking Pacer basketball because there's nothing better oh, out there. <laughs> yeah, okay, Nets fan, but um, you got to remember. Oh, and it begins. <laughs> you got to remember, though, this is where the podcast started when you were in Washington, D.C., right? All of them, all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we started the podcast when you were in D.C. You met your wife in Washington, yep. D.C. You know, you've had some really cool experiences in Washington, D.C., all the games you got to go to. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Nationals games and watching that World Series runs. I mean, you have had some epic moments in Washington, D.C., but that chapter of your life is closed. And the next chapter is titled, No Sleep Till Brooklyn Fachi. If you're excited for the NBA draft in just two weeks, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! They'll miss you, Washington. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.